Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. So for today to talk a little bit about Onyx, I'm going to kind of get into a short little story here about this this past weekend. I went uh, scouting for mountain bucks here in Pennsylvania, went into an area that is... I scouted in the springtime with a buddy of mine, Michael Palladino, and Michael picked out this spot on the map, and and he's like, "Hey, you want to want to go scout this and go check it out?" So him and I, you know, went in there and and went really. I mean, it was way back in, probably I don't know anywhere from three to four, maybe even a little further than that, miles away from any road, and a lot of elevation change to get to this spot. I mean, it's it's as far in as you're really going to get in Pennsylvania and just hoping to really find that next class, just age class of deer. And we found what looks like could be that type of area. So anyways, long story short, marked a bunch of those spots on Onyx, you know, back in the springtime, looked at things like, you know, signpost rubs, the rubs that have been, you know, rubbed year after year, which, I'm finding, you know, a lot of these in these types of areas that, you know, are really remote. The bucks are just putting on age and, and they're also showing a lot of dominance to, you know, for these critical bedding areas on these points of the, the hills. So was, you know, marking those, the, any scrapes, bedding, you know, different terrain features, vegetation features, marking all this stuff ahead of time. And what I did was kind of looked at it and, and had an idea of some place I wanted to put trail cameras and wanted to get out earlier this summer. But to be, you know, blatantly honest, it, there's just, there's so many rattlesnakes in, in this area, North central Pennsylvania that, that I just didn't feel comfortable going in, even though I hunt snakes just with the ferns and everything. I don't like the, the possibility of stepping on them. So anyways, the weather got a little bit cooler this past weekend and I decided to, you know, pack back in, take a whole bunch of cameras and basically leave them soak. I might get in there before I actually hunt it, but most likely I won't. Uh, it won't. So it's going to be just sitting there collecting intel. I threw one up on a scrape coming out of this mountain laurel patch that there's a buck bed about 40 yards into the laurel. And kind of how I was able to tell that it was a buck bed you know, I had this question recently on Instagram and it all is one, the bed's a little bit bigger than a, a doe bedding is. And there's not, you know, a whole bunch of beds around. There's one single bed with rubs leading out the trails that are uh, leaving the bed. So the way this bed was positioned was, you know, facing the the bigger timber from the mountain laurel just tucked back in you know about five yards not even maybe five feet into the mountain laurel and to its back it had a big mountain laurel bush and a little scrub pine tree there which was tore up and some big rubs leading out well this one main trail that leads out of that laurel goes to an intersection of just highway trails and that's where i put my camera on a on a scrape there and mark the tree that I think I could hunt it that, you know, I can access without, you know, that deer catching me because the way that deer's facing, he's facing this little logging road. You know, if he's in that bed and you're trying to get in, he knows you're coming in well before you even got get to your tree stand. So there's a lot of, you know, differences there that, that need to be accounted for. So I mark all these spots on Onyx, including the tree stand location with a tree picked. I take a photo of that tree so I remember, because otherwise it's so easy to say, oh yeah, I'll go there. And then you show up in the dark and you have no idea where the heck you're at as everything looks different. So marked all that stuff. And now what I'll do is take that information, that Intel pulled up on the Onyx hunt app on the, on the web. I like to use a computer for this section of it and start really planning it looking like, you know, what winds is this buck going to be bedding in and why, what are the thermals going to be doing? What's the topography looking like in surrounding areas? 
you know, based on some of the betting, doe betting I found in the spring, you know, how, what kind of likely travel routes is this going to be for late October, early November type of hunt? And so those are some like really key things that, that I'm looking for and how I'm using the Onyx app. And what I like to do too, to really differentiate is I took the, the colors of it and changed the waypoints for the tree stand, the blue, so they really stick out. And also the trail cameras changing those to be able to see, you know, the difference from all my other, uh, all the other waypoints that I have marked is sometimes I, you know, get, you know, happy with, uh, with my thumb and start marking things all over the place. But anyways, I'm really pumped about that spot. I think it can be super successful and I am using the, the Onyx hunt app to be able to do that. So if you want to check out uh, the Onyx Hunt app, if you haven't already, use the code EMW at checkout. Save yourself 20% off that Hunt app. And in addition to that, the University of Elk Hunting. So we're talking about elk hunting and elk motivation and everything else in this podcast here with Jeff. But the University of Elk Hunting is one of those key things that helps you prepare for these hunts. You know, whether you're a beginning hunter or you're, you know, an expert elk hunter, you can learn something from this course. And, you know, it's getting late to, you know, be preparing for stuff, but you can still get knowledge. Or if you guys are that are going out next year, this is no better time to start preparing for that. Do not, you know, wait till the last minute. So the University of Elk Hunting, uh, you can get 20% off that course with the code East Meets West at checkout. And you can find more information at that at www.elk101.com. So Maven Optics. Maven has been a partner of the podcast here this year, and I've been using their optics for going on four years now. The B2 binoculars is what I'll be taking out with me. 9x45s will be strapped around my neck elk hunting this year. And with the S2 spotter, a 12 by 27 power little spotter, weighs just around two pounds, super lightweight and great in low light. And then for whitetails when I'm hunting mountain bucks, I like the little B3 series, which is an 8 by 30 Just feels like nothing around your neck. And I always like to have binos wrapped around my neck uh, when I'm in the field. They don't do any good hanging on your bow hanger or a hook on the side of the tree. They need to be, you know, readily available and also out of the way. So that's why I like the the B3 binoculars. So if you're looking for the highest quality optics out there at half the price of their competitors through the direct-to-consumer business model, check out Maven Optics at mavenbuilt.com. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT to get yourself a free gift with any optics order. And lastly, Heather's Choice. So if you're getting ready for a hunt this year, well, you're cutting it pretty close, but you should definitely you know check out heatherschoice.com. Look at Heather's meals for the backcountry or even the tree stand uh, for that matter with the packaroons. Those little packaroons are like a little coconut cookie that are just dense, full fat, full protein, everything else that and just tastes pretty dang good. So check those out at heatherschoice.com. Use the code East Meets West to get yourself free shipping on any orders over $99. All right, so on this episode, we'll be joined by Jeff Ellis of Jacked Gear. And I think this one's a, a really good one to get you pumped uh, if you're driving out for a trip out west this year or just getting ready, preparing for the season coming up here. It's a really good, you know, motivational episode here with some just great information as Jeff has been a successful elk hunter and even more importantly, he's been a a great motivator and uh, a teacher mentor to so many, you know, throughout the years. So I think this episode is a really good one for this time, for this time of year. So without uh, further ado, let's jump into this episode with Jeff Ellis. All right, we're back for another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. We're here at the Total Archery Challenge once again, and I'm sitting here with a friend of mine, Jeff Ellis. Jeff, what's going on? Not much. It's an exciting day at Total Archery Challenge. We uh, 
had a great weekend here in Pennsylvania and everything's been going well. We've had some little bit of rain, but other than that, it's been awesome. Yeah, it's uh it's been an up and down weekend from weather, that's for sure. Thursday, the first day was just rough. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. The last two days it had been nice and today it's been kind of back and forth. I'd say, but yeah, absolutely. And it's been, it's kind of been like this all year. It's followed us around with total archery challenge. You know, we do all the total archery challenge shoots yeah. around the country and uh, all four of them so far, it's kind of followed us. So we've been a little cursed, but they've all been fun. And yeah, some of my favorite events. So, yeah, it's cool. Cause I, I met you here last year briefly, right at the end as we were all packing up and everything. And, yep. and, uh, and you were talking to me a little bit and I was like, man, I, I want to get you on the podcast. And as things go and we don't, put a, a hard date on things or anything it it gets kind of wiped out or you forget about things and exactly and uh so when you're here again today or this year uh, i was like yeah we gotta we gotta get you on the podcast here so absolutely and it's it's uh it's good to be on here you know we uh i, I love what you do with the show and everything and educating everyone and yeah and uh you know so it's, a, it's such a so close to, to what i've always loved to do and and that I've always loved taking new people elk hunting out west and yeah. kind of showing them the ropes and, and teaching them, you know, what it's like to go from, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and grew up deer and turkey hunting. And yeah. so uh, to, to experience what it's like in the mountains, I remember whenever I first went, you know, a long time ago. Yeah. And um, I, you just can't replicate that experience. And so to give everybody the chance to understand that's really close and near and dear to my heart. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Jeff, do you want to give a kind of a brief background on yourself and, and um, what you're doing here at Total Orchard Challenge? Absolutely. Um, you know, I was, I, like I said, I grew up in the Midwest um, and, uh, you know, I was in the military and, you know, played sports all through high school and college. And uh, then I ended up, I was a helicopter pilot in the Army and uh, was in the Army for years and and uh, loved all my experience in the Army. And after I got out of the military, I'd gone back to school in Bozeman, Montana, at Montana State. And whenever I was out there in Bozeman, that's when I first really fell in love with the mountains, you know, and I learned what it was like to, to hunt in the mountains and experience the majesty, the, the majesty of the mountains and, and, you know, see how different it was from, you know, hunting in a 40 acre, 120 acre lot back in the Midwest. Yeah. You know, it's just a totally different experience. And so, uh, you know, once I, once I did that, I just, I knew that I always want to do that. So I went on a streak there for about 25 years where I really never missed a year going elk hunting out west, uh-huh. and I'd always take, you know, some of my friends, and you know, over the course of the years, you know, I've probably taken somewhere between about thirty and thirty-five people elk hunting out west, and it's always fun, you know, because you, you get to, you know, help them prepare for the hunt and know what it's like to, you know. I, understand the topography and what the needs are as far as clothing and gear yeah. and everything else and so you know whenever i was first out in bozeman um i had um figured out that i didn't want to be running around in the mountains carrying my bow around all the time and so whenever i was out there i created this bow sling that i had uh that i'd basically tie to my riser and it was just a piece of rope that i tied to my riser and then i would uh uh, basically stuff it in a hole in my riser to get it out of the way while I shot. Yeah. And, you know, I used it and it was great for running around the mountains and it helped me save my arms. And I just figured out that I could go a lot farther and, and hunt a lot harder. Well, once I moved back home um, and back to the Midwest, you know, I, I uh, worked in the logistics industry for years and I'd always take vacations and, and take guys elk hunting. And whatever guys was, were going with me, I would make them whatever version of the sling that I had on my bow at the time. And so I just kept refining it over time. And then a few years ago, uh, I was hunting with some friends out in the Gila wilderness and we were getting ready for a hunt. And I, my youngest son was laying in the floor and he was playing with some magnets. And I was sitting on the couch watching TV, making a sling for one of my buddies and a light bulb went off. And it was like, you know what? I can put magnets on this thing and lock it out of the way. So uh, we, you know, took him out there, went hunting with it. My, my buddies loved it. I went and applied for the patents for it. And we decided to, to start a company. Yeah. And, you know, we came back, started the company, and it's just, it's gone crazy. You know, we, uh, we uh, you know, 
being a, a veteran myself, we wanted to, to try to hire veterans. So we've hired veterans to run the company and make all make the products. Yeah. And it's been a big success for us. We introduced it a couple of years ago. Uh, the name of the company is Jacked Gear. Um, we we chose the name uh, Jacked Yacht J A K T uh, in Norwegian means hunting. Uh, my youngest son's name is Jack, so we just blended the two and we call oh. it Jacked Gear. And we've. Uh, um, you know, done really well with the company. It's kind of gone from zero to to where we're at now, um, and we just have a blast with it. It's we love being in the outdoor industry. Uh, we love what we do. Uh, we love creating innovative new products, and that's kind of the neat thing about our products is we try to keep it simple. You know, we know what can go wrong in the back country will, and so everything that we make, we design it so that it's as simple as possible, so that it operates in the roughest conditions. You know, and uh, you know has very little opportunity for failure. Yeah, no, that's that's super cool. And and like I said, so last year was your first year uh, in business. Um, we had started uh, in 2017 is when we first introduced the product at the ATA okay. show, and uh, we had kind of got off to a slow start, but we started adding dealers. Um, in our first year, we added about 200 dealers that are carrying our products. Uh, we're currently sitting a little over 550 archery shops around the country that carry our products. Wow. And so it's we've kind of seen some pretty explosive growth. Um, yeah, that's a lot for two years. It is. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's come at a cost, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, um, but we do all the total archery challenges. And I, uh, you know, I put about 120,000 miles on my Jeep this last year. Oh. And it was, it's, it's crazy, but it's, uh, doing the events. I just drive from archery shop to archery shop, showing them the products. And that's how we've, uh, implemented the, the, our, our, our network of dealers, the way that we have is yeah. just going in and meeting everybody, showing them the products and how they work. You know, our products are a little bit unique. It's, it's tough to just hang on the shelf and people to understand what it is and how it works unless they can see it. Yeah. So we put together some dealer starter kits where, they have these color selectors where they can see all the colors that, that we offer. And then we give the dealers, all of our dealers, two free demo slings to put on demo bows so that people can see them and touch them and feel them and understand how they work. Yeah. Um, and once they see how they, can, how they work and, and all the, the benefits of the sling, it, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer. It's one of, the, one of those things. It's, it's like we said, keep it simple, stupid. It's yeah. one of those why didn't I think of that kind of things that people tell us all the time. Yeah, I know from working in an archery shop myself, like when you get companies that will come in with their product and train you on how to use it and and that process so that because they call them a pro shop for a reason, you know, you're expecting that, you know, that expertise on it to be able to show you because if you can't, if you put them in save and 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 maybe this is speaking out of turn, but a lot of big box stores and stuff, sometimes they don't. Uh, the, the people are going around different departments and might not know all the products. There's a ton of them. Absolutely. You know, it's understandable. But when you put them in some of these archery shops and things like that, there were people can show them how to use it. And I mean, if I walked past your booth and wouldn't have talked to you or anything, you say, oh, there's, you know, Bosling. But you showed me, I was like, man, this is awesome. And I'll tell you, I, I didn't actually hadn't told you this, but last year I spent 14 days in Colorado elk hunting carrying my bow everywhere i had so many blisters on my hand from carry from carrying it and i'm like there's got to be a better way and i had a bow sling but it covered everything up and i you couldn't it wasn't uh realistic to be able to shoot you couldn't just take it off easily and shoot with it you know exactly and that's what's really cool about it yep no and and that's been some of the neatest features you know whenever we first created the product I thought it would mostly be Western hunters that use the product, you know, because it is such a great item for a Western elk hunt or mule deer hunt because it's got a really neat feature where you can uh, rest your elbows on the bow sling, hang it around your neck, and then rest your elbows on the bow sling. So you can kick back on a rock and use it for glassing. And you can sit there and you can glass just rock solid and pick a hillside apart, um, nice and comfortable, kind of using your bow as a, yeah. tri- as a little bipod. And so because of that, you know, I kind of had it stuck in my head that it it would primarily be sold to Western hunters. But what we found is that 80% of our sales come east of the Mississippi. And that's because there's such a high density of hunters there. And whenever they see all the other benefits of a good bow sling, you know, for, you know, using it to ride your mountain bike or your your four-wheeler into your tree stand strapped over your back so that it's not bouncing, your bow's not bouncing around in a rack. 
you know, once you get to your tree stand, you can climb up into your tree stand with either a climber or a traditional, you know, stick type stand. And you never have to use a hoist rope to haul your bow up into your yeah. your stand. And as soon as you sit down, you're ready to shoot. I see. I mean, I'm I'm looking into using a saddle this year for the first Absolutely. time. I use and a saddle a lot. Do you? Yep. Okay. And I was like you know what, that would work so great with being able to sling that over and go up and have it in one one motion, you're up the tree. Exactly. You know, everything's there and and just a lot simpler to take it off. Like, you know, I've done it where I put it on the back of my pack and everything as I climb up and that's worked, but you, it's a little bit tougher to be able to do that and then hang it up and, and all that whole process. And again, that's some of the interest that I had in it uh, initially was that. And I can see it. So a lot of my listeners... Um, hunt this way but i i've grown up you know hunting in the appalachian mountain region and a lot of it i'm scouting and hunting at the same time so i'm on the ground i'm Absolutely. walking around Absolutely. and and you got to be ready to be able to knock an arrow at any time in case you come over this ridge and there's a buck bedded looking over whatever it might be so being able to be mobile with it and have an effective way to carry your bow that's easy to shoot is is definitely is definitely big and that, that was one of the criteria whenever we first started you know, making them for commercial use is, uh, you know, we wanted to be able to shoot quickly, you know, because, you know, I've, I can't tell you how many times over the years that I've tried putting my bow on my back in the backcountry on an elk hunt. And all of a sudden I'm walking along a trail and I look up and I'm right in the middle of the elk. And, you know, and to try to get it off of your backpack and try to wrestle it around and, and get a shot, it's almost next to impossible, you know, with, uh, with lots of eyes on you. So with our sling, you know, with very limited movement, you can go from shoulder to shot in about three seconds yeah. and, and just, just take it off and, and, and get a good shot off. So, and you actually, you showed me that cause I was like, how I, you walk, it's funny. If you see Jeff at a show, you'll know it's him because he never takes his bow off his shoulder. We've been playing cornhole here all weekend <laughs> and he's always got his bow on, even while he's doing that. We're like, does that thing attach to you permanently? Yeah. So I asked, I said, what's the, you know, the best way to carry it? And you showed me how to take it off rotate it have the magnet clipped on so it's out of your way and being able to draw like you said in three seconds yep and that's you know and, that, and that's so handy you know because even even walking into the white you know into a whitetail stand or something you know how, how many times have you walked in, up on a bed of deer or walked up on a deer and and uh, needed to be able to shoot quickly and if if you don't have your bow ready, it's just a missed opportunity. Yep. And that one missed opportunity might be that buck of a lifetime or an elk yeah. of a lifetime. And, you know, I just, you don't ever want to put yourself in a position where you could uh, you walk away with regrets. So, yeah. but it's just like everything else, you know. And, and uh, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, the pro shops and the big box stores. You know, when we first decided to, 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 to market our products, we specifically targeted the archery pro shops because the pro shop, it's a lost art. You know, a good bow technician's worth his weight in gold. You know, and once you find one, you know, you know, yeah. be loyal to that bow shop because those, those, those guys are, are few and far between. There's a lot of places in the country. You know, I've, I've been in most of the bow shops around the country now, just traveling around. And um, what I find is there's a lot of areas that just do not have a good bow technician anywhere close anymore. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, that good pro shop someday can, you know, a good pro can make the difference in, in setting your bow upright and getting you all fixed up and set for that trip of a lifetime. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, we chose to, to go the pro shop route so that, you know, we could, uh, have guys in there that are knowledgeable that, you know, we wanted this is a you know higher end product for for your bows you know it's um you know it's it's a little bit more expensive than your normal bow sling but it's a whole lot more functional and yeah. it's it's kind of what do you want and so we knew that the pro shops would be able to sell our product because they'd be able to show it off and and show the benefits and the features yeah so. no that's that's what's that's really cool about it and like you said with pro shops i mean since i moved away and, and don't work at a, a shop anymore there's not one within an hour of where I live at that. So I luckily I've learned to work on the stuff myself, but for most people, that's not the case. Exactly. Or I remember when my, my dad had a problem with his bow right in the middle of the rut and he had to drive hour and 15 minutes to try to get it. And luckily they were a great shot, but they had him fixed up and going. And I guess where I'm going with that is those, those people are so knowledgeable. They need the support of the, you know, the local community as much as you can, you know, and, Absolutely. and I, keep I, them alive and keep the whole sport growing. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you were talking about your, your, your dad, I had the same thing happen to me. I was on a bear or on a, uh, an elk hunt in the Absaroka Beartooth wilderness out in Montana one time. And I was putting a stalk on an elk and I was trying to move up a rock slide to get around to get the wind right. And a little avalanche started and rocks started coming down the hill towards me. And I was shooting an old high country bow at the time. This goes back quite a few years. I, I, I actually, we have one at the house. Okay, and, yeah. perfect, perfect. I'm familiar with them. And a rock came bouncing down the hillside, and I had my, my bow in my hand at the time, holding onto the grip, and I stuck my bow up so that the rock didn't hit me right in the head. And it cut my bowstring. And here I was standing there, you know, a few hundred yards away from a bedded bull. I was. 14 or 15 miles back into that abstroke wilderness. So I had to pack all the way out. I had to drive all the way to Idaho to find uh, a, a, someone who carried high country bows that, that could replace the cam and fix everything for me. And so I understand what it's like when I'm oh, in a situation yeah. where you don't have a good bow tech around that yeah. can, can, can take care of you. Um, so, you know, long story short, you know, you guys support those archery shops because, uh, you know, they, they're worth their weight in gold. And, and we try to funnel as much business as we can through the pro shops. You know, we sell our products on our website, but we encourage people to, to go buy from their local dealer yeah. because, the, you know, that's, they're the guys that, that help push it for us. Have the shops been pretty receptive to your product as far as carrying them? Absolutely. They have. Um, it's, it's been great. You know, I, I, you know, I generally just walk, I cold call on the shops and I'll walk in and show them the product. And, and, and on average, about seven out of every 10 shops that I walk into stocks the product. Wow. That's, so, yeah, that's pretty good ratio yeah. for sales. <laughs> it, it is. And it, and, and it's just a function of, because it's such a good product. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's nothing to do with me. It's just, it's, it's a good product. And whenever they see how it works and see how it functions, it's kind of one of those no brainers that you see that light bulb go off. You know, because here at the AT or the uh, Archer uh, <laughs> Total, Total Archer Challenge, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's so funny because people walk up and you show them the product, and and you can see their eyes light up, and it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, that makes sense. I didn't, I yeah. didn't think about it. You know, trying to do it like that. So, okay, because a lot of people they don't they they think I've never used a sling. I don't need to use a sling. Yeah. But, um, once once they do it, it, and they go up on the hill, especially in the in the terrain on these types of events. It's a game changer because you're not tired. You're not holding that bow all day and then trying to shoot. Your arms are nice and relaxed. Your forearms relaxed. So yeah. whenever you do get that chance to shoot, you're you're ready to go. Yeah, I know. Like I said, when I was in Colorado, I couldn't. I just didn't want to hold my bow anymore. But that's you have to. I mean, that's what it, what it was or what I thought. And uh, I just I don't know. I'd never considered slings. I just thought of them as just a something that was in the way you know until i saw the magnet feature and everything that you have here and it's it's really really interesting well th well thanks so but as you know as far as elk hunting you know i'm you know i'm eating up with elk hunting you know i love it i love i love to deer and turkey hunt but uh you know for me elk hunting it's just turkey hunting on steroids yeah. you know to call that big bull in and have him screaming at you at 15 or 20 yards you know it's just a, a game changer i've got a few guys that um you know, I go with on a regular basis and, you know, elk camp, it's just one of those things that we look forward to every year. Yeah. And, uh, so we try to pick different parts of the countries. I, I hunt almost exclusively wilderness areas. Okay. You know, we, you know, put in for, for, for different tags. And if I don't draw the, the tags that I'm looking for, you know, I find a wilderness area somewhere where I can get an over the counter tag and, and, uh, that's just been what we do. And, and we have, you know, we've had good success doing it, but I know it's a scary thing proposition you know having never if you've never been on an elk hunt before but you know what i say is just go do it you know mm -hmm. it's 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 one of those things that uh you know you, you can watch listen to podcasts you can watch videos you can read everything that you want to but it doesn't replace just getting out and doing it yeah and you know trusting your instincts and you know it's fun you know so find a way to go do it yeah you get the I, I guess you can only motivate someone so much and give them so much information before you have to take the initiative to do it. Yeah. And that's, that's where I was at. I mean, it, I always thought about, it, thought it was cool. And, you know, and I read Cameron Haynes's book, backcountry bow hunting. And I'm like, 
I'm just going to do this. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And called my brother and my cousin up. And luckily they were the two right people just to say yes without asking too many questions and just started planning it from there. And it's, and obviously, I mean, I'm here with a booth now. That's all about helping people. It changed my life. Absolutely. It did. And it sounds like for you, you know, going out there exclusively 25 years in a row, at least, you know, to, Yep. to elk hunt it's it's amazing it's it's how i recharge my batteries every year you know and and you know i work hard and you know that's my time and whenever i get there in the mountains it's just that peaceful experience and you know it's it's just something that you can't explain it until you do it how you feel you know because yeah. you know it's 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 exhausting you know you're doing the hike to hunt uh or you did the hike to hunt uh yeah, yesterday the ch- yeah the challenge the there. challenge uh, yesterday here at the total archery challenge and and uh you know People don't understand how much different it is hunting out west. Because most people think, "Well, I'm in pretty good shape. I can, I can go out and I, I can get by." Yeah. Well, yeah, you can get by for a day, but you know, whenever you're out there and you're covering 12, 15 miles a day, trying to find the elk, and you're doing that day after day after day after day, it wears on you. And so, you know, the biggest thing that I can say, you know, is get in shape. And so I love, you know, that everybody's starting to do all the different programs to make sure that you're yeah. getting in shape because it makes, it means the difference in, in going away, um, you know, beaten up and, and, and battered after a hunt and, and walking away with a chance to actually put yourself in a position to, to harvest an animal. And that's not everything about the hunt, but it's part of why you go there yeah. to get that experience. And, yeah, it is a goal. You know, yeah, it's I the mean. goal. You know, everybody. Otherwise, you just go on a hiking trip. Exactly. Take take a backpack, and it's a whole lot, yeah. <laughs> whole lot easier and uh, less stressful. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> so, but yeah. So when you uh, when you started doing that, were, did it take you a while to kind of find success in that? Absolutely. You know, I, I my first elk hunting trip. You know, I didn't hardly even see an elk. Uh-huh. And you know, this it goes back several years. You know, there the GP, we, GPSs were pretty new. You know, and they they didn't uh really help out a lot you know and so there there wasn't all the tools that are out there now to help you find game you know and so it was just a learning experience you know you'd learn how to read the sign you know learning how to read the wind in the mountains and understanding what the wind does with thermals and just different things like that it takes you a while because that that nose on that elk is you know what they follow yeah and so understanding how things change for the different times of the day and, and how to play that wind was big. And so you just, you, you learn a little bit every, every year, you know, and I see a lot of guys where they'll, they'll go out and they'll go on a hunt in Colorado one year and they'll go on a hunt in Wyoming the next year and go somewhere else the next year. Well, you learn a lot of what I call tribal knowledge um, by going back to the same place over and over because you start learning it's just like learning you know your local farm that your whitetail hunt on you learn the habits of those deer or those turkey where they roost or you know where the deer bedding grounds are and stuff like that and once you can start learning the habitat in the area and and how the the traditional animal patterns are are moving you learn from that and and it makes it easier you know sure they're going to do different things but once you start learning that uh how things move and how it works in a general area it's easier than going into a new area and starting from scratch every year yeah and then i'm sure then once you learn those kind of like patterns or so then they can be applied to other absolutely areas. absolutely you know there's little things that you can pick up from looking at a topo map and and mm-hmm. you know knowing what a predictable elk bedding area looks like and things like that so that you can uh, you know f- look for those same types of of features on other maps and other hunting areas and stuff but it, it just takes a while to learn it and so you know my whenever i first went i uh uh you know my first year i didn't kill anything and the second year i i killed a bull and i was so excited you know and you know i was probably half luck that i that, that i was able to kill the bull but it, it it made me hungry to go back you know and and see if i could do it again and uh you know, and then I went on a, a streak there where, you know, I got pretty lucky for a lot of years. Yeah. You know, but I hunted really, really hard. I was say, yeah, lucky, yeah. Yeah, so I you know, <laughs> I, I think you kind of make your own luck a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But, you know, but it, we'd go out for, for typically nine or ten day hunts. And, you know, I we'd 
you know, I acquired gear over time, you know, so I acquired wall tents and things like that that we'd set as base camps, but we'd always run spike camps out of there. And so I'd go back and till I'd get on the elk, I'd, you know, bivy out for three or four days and, you know, try sleeping with the elk and until you get them into a position where you can actually make a move on, yeah. on, on the bull that you're after. And uh, so, you know, we started finding success and I had a lot of fun. You know, some of the guys that I've, that I've taken out, you know, have had good, good success. And that's always fun whenever you can go out with someone new and, and they get yeah. that first experience. You know, I had a good friend. I'm not going to mention his name on here, but uh, <laughs> he was a, he's a great deer and turkey hunter uh, that I grew up with. And we've done a lot of hunts. And the first time he went into the mountains elk hunting, you know, he shot and missed five elk on the first day. And he was just so shook, you know, and it was just such such a different experience being at altitude and, you know, yeah. being being winded to, to get into position to get set up and then have such a big animal come in. It's, it's just a different experience. And, you know, you, you think you get buck fever on a whitetail, you know, when that bull comes in and he's screaming at you at 15 yards, yeah. it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. But that's what that's what why elk hunting is so great. Yeah, I know that you're. I'm getting excited talking about it, but like, yeah, it's, it's crazy too. Like for, for me going into it, you know, I grew up whitetail hunting as, as, uh, we've discussed and kind of similar to your background, just a different part of the U S and, and, you know, after a while found some success with it and then I go out elk hunting. It was like, I felt like I was just completely brand new, you know, and I was, I was even getting into elk. I was finding them, but I didn't know what the heck to do once I got to that exactly. point, you know, and and here I am going into my fourth year and I still haven't killed a bull. Like I haven't, I've had, I've had probably close to 15 encounters in bow range that I have not been able to execute on, but it's, it's so addicting that I just keep going back and learning and trying to get better at it. And, and it's just a matter of time. You yeah. Know, you, you know, if, if you don't go, you know, you, you won't get the chance and, uh, you know, it'll all come together. And when it does, it's just such a rewarding experience. You yeah. Know? And it's, you know, Killing a whitetail is great, but mm-hmm. killing that first elk, you know, especially if you do it on your own, yeah, that's that's all the difference in the world. Because, you know, if you can afford it, you can go out and you can pay for someone else's knowledge, yeah. you know, and they can they can help put you on an elk, and it shortens that learning curve, you know. So, you know, guys that want to do that, that that can afford doing that, that's great. Whenever I was young and I first started elk hunting, I couldn't afford to do that, so I knew I had to do it on my own, mm-hmm. and you know. You know the the expensive part doing that way is kind of acquiring the gear. Yeah. Um, because once you have the gear, then it it's pretty easy to go each year because you're just buying your tag and paying for your gas to get there. You're going to eat anyway, so yep. so it's just a function of going. So then it becomes uh, more economical. But w- whenever you do it on your own and you get that feeling of you know what, hey, I made this happen. I found this spot i found these elk i've made my way into that canyon and figured out how the wind was working and figured out how what i needed to do and i made the call that called that bull in mm-hmm. you know it's just it's a very very humbling and rewarding experience yeah you know yeah. What, what's so cool like is uh i remember the first time first day hiking into colorado i'm hiking up into this wilderness area and i was with my brother and my cousin we got to the spot i had marked I went through Corey Jacobson's course, and he's saying, you know, where the elk bedded. So I had these spots marked, and I get to this overlook, and I bugle, and one answered right where I had it marked. Oh, it was if even though I didn't kill the bull or anything, like that was just one step in the right direction. You know, those little incremental, and that's it. That's incremental baby steps. Yeah, it keeps bringing you back to it. You know, and and it's just it gets me so excited. Or even something small as I'm not great with heights. Okay. So the high country, which I'm like, I just love it. Like, I love that kind of stuff, but I struggled with it at first being in super steep stuff. And then now on year three, I was going to places I would never hike into before. And you just keep, keep learning and going. Absolutely. And, and the heights, you know, that's, that's one thing it's, (laughs) you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, everybody is different. You know, some people deal with altitude well, Yeah. some people don't, you know, and, 
you know, if, if you're someone who's been out, say you've gone out skiing out west or something before, and you know how your body reacts at altitude, if you know you've got problems with altitude, there's a lot of great places in this country that you can go elk hunting where you don't deal with altitude. Mm-hmm. You know, Colorado, yeah, you're going to probably deal with altitude. Yeah. You know? and if you're above 10,000 feet, you've got to worry about the effects of hypoxia and, and how it impacts your body. But even if you're not above 10,000 feet, just the shortness of breath and everything and you know, the conditioning that you're in. But you can find lots of places, New Mexico, Oregon, you know, different places, Washington, where you can go on an elk hunt and you don't even have to deal with, yeah, you know, with, with altitude and the effects of altitude there. And yeah. So. And, and I, won't, I won't go into a lot of detail on it here, but Michael, who you've met, a buddy of mine uh-huh. here that Absolutely. bought a sling from you here. Absolutely. I don't know if he had told you, but he had, last year in New Mexico, he was hospitalized from altitude sickness and ended his hunt where he's he was almost completely dead from how bad his lungs filled up and he's just hard-headed and kept trying to go and then finally took him to the hospital and it was really really bad <laughs> you know it, it sometimes it affects people differently absolutely i i remember the first elk hunt i took my brother on my younger brother and we it was a crazy elk hunt he had never been never been elk hunting and it was a it was a rifle elk hunt in colorado and he probably wasn't in very good shape at the time. And um, we made our way up into uh, the Hunter Frying Pan Wilderness area. Mm-hmm. And we were headed up and it started snowing on whenever we were leaving the base camp. Mm-hmm. And I looked over at my brother and he pulled his pack out. And he had this monstrosity of a pack on his back, you know. And I, I was like, you sure you need all that stuff? And uh, he had on a pair of blue jeans and where we were parked, it was probably somewhere around 7,400 feet. And where we were going up to the base camp was about at, at about 10,400 feet. And we started out, and the snow just kept falling and kept falling. And we didn't get very far up the trail. And hit, my brother will kill me if he ever hears me telling this story. But uh, <laughs> he, he, he was just worn out, and he couldn't do it. And I said, well, listen, I'm going to go ahead and go on up to base camp and I'm going to drop my pack, and I'm going to set up camp and get a fire going, and um, so that, and then I can come back and help you. And so I went on up to the top, dropped my my my, my backpack, and I came back down the hill. Well, my brother, I looked up and I see him walking up the trail, and he doesn't have his pack on. And I said, "Where's your pack?" And he said, I left it on the trail back there. You said you'd help me carry it. So, <laughs> so I went back and found his, my pack. And I said, you just go on up to camp and um, you know, make a fire, get everything going, and I'll be up there in a little bit. Well, he had altitude sickness so bad. He, he went up and he laid in my tent and got in my sleeping bag with his clothes all soaking wet. And um, I made it back up to camp and everything. He was so sick. I was afraid that I was going to have to get him medevaced off, off, off the hill. He was throwing up. I mean, it, it got really bad. And I, I was really worried the next, next morning whether yeah. or not he was going to make it. So it's no joke. And we were only at about 10,400 feet. So, yeah. so you don't necessarily have to be really high. but That's pretty high. But you don't have to be you know, 11,000 for an extended period of time. It can come on really quickly. Because his really came on before he even crossed the 10,000 feet. Yeah, that is crazy. And, uh, but... but you know, he, we were able to get him through it and got some water in him, got him fed. And a couple of days later, he, he actually was able to harvest his first bull. Really? Yep. So it was, uh, it was, it was worth yeah. the, worth all the, the, the stuff that he went through to get there. But so. Oh, that's crazy. And then, okay. So as you're going through these years of, you know, elk hunting and finding some success in it and everything, you had said to me you started taking out some other people, showing them how. What was kind of your reasoning for it? Just wanting people to experience the way you have, or it, it was. I mean, you know, and it was most mostly really good friends at the time. You know, that had never had that experience, and you know, I'd talk about it, and they'd ask questions about it, and you could see this curiosity. And and I think, I think most Eastern hunters they have a curiosity about the mountains. They've all seen TV shows and, you know, and, and think, man, I'd love to do that. But it's so intimidating, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that it seems so intimidating, but whenever you start breaking it down into little pieces, it's bite-sized chunks. You got to take bite-sized chunks and figure it out. And once you figure out the logistics, you know, so that's the big thing. So, so programs like Corey's 
program yeah. and things like that I think are such a great deal because they can educate you on the little bite-sized pieces so that it's not so overwhelming. And it's not like, I don't know anything about this. Well, I know this, and I know this. And if you know this and that, you can learn this other little piece. And before long, you know what? You know enough that you can be comfortable and secure. And that's the biggest thing is getting the confidence. And so I would see these guys that they would ask me questions about elk hunting. And and I I could tell that there was this desire to do it. So I'd ask them, and usually they'd say no the first year. And then I'd bug them again the next year, and they'd see pictures whenever we'd come back man, I want to do this. And, and so it'd be like, well, let's just go. Just just buy a tag with me next year. Let's put in for this drawing, let's buy a tag, and let's do it. And once they would buy, would put in for the drawing, then it's like they became committed. And so then yeah. we'd sit down and we'd work and, you know, we'd go through gear and start planning. And that's half the fun. You yeah. know, I, you oh, know. it is. I love the planning. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's some of the best fun, you know, because, you know, it, everything about the elk hunt's fun, you know, until that arrow flies. You know, yeah. Once once it, that arrow flies, the fun dies. You know, that's, that's the, the old saying. Happens. So, it, um, you know, so but it's it, it's one of those life changing experiences. Whenever you do it, whenever you go on a trip, whether whether it's you killing the elk or someone else with you killing an elk, you know, it's just a life changing experience. Yeah, and and so that that's that's where I felt like you and I related a lot on on that. You know, being able to help people. Where you're, you know, you're physically taking people out, showing them, and I was hoping to be able to do, you know, a, a little bit of that through inspiring people to do it through the podcast and the right. Like, I just want people to, to experience what I have. Absolutely. Like it, I, I like I said, it's it's tough to put into words with that, and people, you know, might think, oh, how is that? You being dramatic? No, it's it's literally can be life changing in all aspects. I've found by doing these type of things that it's helped me in all aspects of life. I mean, and, and taking risks and starting a business and, and, and the way I work at things and, and fitness. Cause you're, I want to stay in shape all year round. Cause I want to be ready to hunt at any point and be able to be put in the worst scenarios and get out of them. You know? Uh, absolutely. I mean, elk hunting is what inspired me to start long distance running. Mm-hmm. I, I was 40 years old. Actually, I was 39 years old, and I was on an elk hunt in Colorado. I had never ran a marathon. Never Since I'd gotten out of the military, I really hadn't done anything physical. You know, my jobs, I'd always traveled a lot and, you know, ate bad foods traveling. And I'd spend, you know, so many nights a year in a, in a hotel that it just made just your head spin. Yeah. And so whenever I'd go elk hunting, I, I was 39 years old, and I was in Colorado, and I was about 50 pounds overweight. And, and I'm, I'm about, about 5'10", and I was at about 216 pounds. And I was sucking air up on this, <laughs> on, on this hunt. And I said, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? Why, why do I let myself get like this? And so I went home, and that next week, I was turning 40 in January. I signed up for the Disney Marathon. And in between September and January, I lost 50 pounds. And then I went down there and I ran the Disney Marathon. And I felt so much better. And I, saw, I felt so much better. And I just went down and um, signed up for another marathon the next month. And it was so awesome. You know, and I felt so good. So I just kept doing it. And before you know it, I... You know, I looked up, and, and in the course of the next year, I had ran about 12 marathons, and I did a couple of 50-milers and, and did some 100-milers, and I just got into such better shape. And the next few years after doing that, my elk hunts were so much better Yeah, <laughs> because I was in so much better shape than I had ever been whenever yeah. I was elk hunting. I could cover so much more ground, and I wasn't as winded, and I could go for more days, and it just made all the difference in the world. And so, you know... I would strongly encourage, you don't have to run 100-mile races, but get your butt in shape and, and get yeah. out there because it's such a much better experience whenever you do it and you're in shape. You know, I can tell you firsthand, you know, because that, that trip where I was so out of shape, um, you know, I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get myself off the mountain, you know, and, yeah. you know, at, at times. And uh, it just makes all the difference in the world. That's, that's crazy. I, I didn't even know that part about you that running the, the marathons and the hundred milers and everything. But isn't it funny though, how it does encourage you to want to do more stuff. I mean, I, every year now I'll be, well, as the time recording this podcast, I'll be turning 27 next week. And 
I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life now than I was when I was 21 or I was 18. And cause I keep trying to get better. And like lately I've been doing this mountain tough fitness workout they created. Absolutely. I think it's awesome. It is. And, and I've done a lot of things where I felt like I was in shape, but there's so much room for improvement when you're doing long hunts and stuff. It wears on you. It does. And I want to, I want to be mentally better and to be mentally better. I truly think physically, you know, helps you get into that mindset and, and, but like, like you said, by disciplining myself, I get up every morning. I'm working out. That's my thing in the mornings before I go to work. I work out. I'm ready to go. I'm better at work. I'm more. I have more energy throughout the day. There's just so many external benefits that you get from that. You Ab- know? Absolutely, and it, you know, get your mind right. You know, yeah. not only on the mountain, but at home and yeah. you know, with the family and everything. So, you know, but uh, you know, but but getting your mind right, you know, that's a big part of it. Cause it's, it's physical and mental, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, having your mind right when you're in the mountains and you're on that elk hunt, cause you know, it's, it's hard day after day to, to reach down deep inside and find that will to go on and say, you know what? I, I didn't get that opportunity yesterday, but I'm going to make that seven mile hike back out to that spot today to try to try to make it happen. Even though I've got blisters on my feet or even though I've, you know, got this going on, mm-hmm. you know, or it's the, a, a snow set in and it's cold and it's, or it's rainy and, and stormy and I'm miserable and I'm hungry, you know, just having that will to just say, you know what, I want this bad enough. I want to be successful. I'm willing to go out and do whatever it takes. You know, because I, I learned a long time ago in the military, you know, the body will do amazing things if you let your head get out of the way. Yeah. And so, you know, when you when you when you train and put yourself in a position and you get your head mentally right, you know, it's it's it, it's doable. What one man can do, another man can do. That's yeah. that's kind of the motto that that I think everyone should live by, because if one guy can do it, um, you, you can do it. It's just making putting yourself in a position to, to be ready to do it. Yeah, I I don't know if you experienced this or not, but my first year elk hunting, I realized that I was not mentally tough for things. Like, I was broke down on day four, like, I want to get out of here. I don't want to do this any longer. It was, you know, I I did stick it out, but it was was tough. Like, I was just drained. And then every year of incrementally, again, getting better at it, the more shape I get into, the more you put yourself in uncomfortable situations and realize you can get out of them. And you can, you know, do that. And I think even with whitetail hunting, when like if the last few years I've had more time to hunt than other times that I, I hunted two weeks straight, dark to dark in a tree stand. And for some reason for me, I'm a last day. I can't get it done on the first day. It's like, you know, after all that, you just get wore out. And you, you do start playing head games. And you got to be able to straighten straighten that out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just, finding out what's important you know mm-hmm. you know is doing it day in day out like that and being putting yourself in a position to get be successful more important to you than the feeling of regret later that you'll experience and when you look back on that hunt and say man if i would have only gotten up that last morning of the hunt and gotten my stand or you know hiked back out you know that might have been what it took to make that hunt hunt successful and that's if you measure it success on harvesting an animal you know some people are fine with the experience itself and have a great experience and that's the measure of a successful hunt and that's great yeah but you know like like we said before you know you're going there with the intention of harvesting an animal yeah so put yourself in every position that you can throughout that hunt as long as you can to to be successful you're 100 percent right on that and like you said i'm still learning it and oh, that's why I like talking to guys. I'm still like, learning it. Yeah, I, I've been doing it for a lot of years, but I'm still learning it. I learn something new every time I'm out there. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's odd. Is there anything like you can think of? Of if you had one thing you could tell somebody to convince them to go on a hunt or something they should know, what would you say to them? Um, I think probably the one thing would be to to know that you can do it. You know, having the confidence to do it is is the most important thing. And, and to know that, that as a human, you know, we're capable of doing lots of different things. And that's every human. So just, just do it. If, if it's something that you think you want to do, start digging in and just jump with both feet and find the way to get it done. Um, because every elk hunter, at some point, they had their first elk hunt and they had to start doing it. Now, some of them are lucky enough to grow up in a region 
to where they grew up elk hunting like you may have grown up in the east deer hunting yeah and so you you hunted with your dad or your grandpa or how, whoever it was that got you started hunting you know but most elk hunters don't you know and and especially all the elk hunters that travel out west to do it they had to they had to go on a first hunt so if they can do it you can do it so that's the biggest thing is just say that if that's what you want to do find a way don't let anything get in your way find a way to get it done yeah you know and that's that's good for anything in life you know just set your set your mind to it and get it done yeah no i i love that approach it's simple it's just simple. do it you need. it's simple it's it's simple uh, yeah absolutely. details worry about them later set that goal make it put it on your calendar and then figure uh, out the rest as you go absolutely we, we 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 have a hashtag that we use at the company it's it's hashtag get jacked you know and we kind of use that to mean you know get your head right get jacked you know get jacked and, and do what you need to do you know do whatever it takes to make it happen yeah oh that's awesome well is there anything else that you think you want to cover on here, or do you think you know? I don't. I don't know. I, th- I think we've covered a lot. Uh, you know, I've really, really enjoyed do, uh, you know being here with you today. You know, these total archery challenges. I don't know if you guys, um, if you don't know about them, find out what they are because they're so much fun. They, they're such a great event. We do all all the total archery challenges around the country, and they're so awesome. They're such great preparation, and. Not only are they great preparation, the people that you meet here are so inspiring because it's the people that, um, you know, do what you want to do if you're not doing it already. And there's so many opportunities to sit around and talk and learn and listen to, to their experiences and stories and, you know, listen to what gear they use and yeah. and to learn, you know, go do it because it, it prepares you for being in the mountains. It prepares you for what it's like to shoot at, at you know, extreme ranges and extreme terrain changes and elevation changes and, and conditions. And uh, so it's good preparatory work to getting you ready for that hunt, you know, because you're, you see what it's like to, to be winded whenever you come up on, onto a, 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 either an animal or a, a, a target yeah. here in this case, and to be able to control your, 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 your breathing and, and be able to make a good shot. So yeah, it's, it's good for, getting you ready for that actual hunt yeah i I did a podcast with sean last year oh awesome and uh so if anyone hasn't listened to that or you're new to listening go back i think it was around december of 2018 i released it so go back and check that out where we go through what the tour archer challenge is about and you know some of the benefits you're talking about i love these things i mean they're oh for me this was always like my baseline event to figure out what i need to work on for the rest of the, the rest of the summer to prepare because it's different shooting in your backyard as it is when you're shooting through things. There's a stick going across here, or there, and I can Absolutely. promise you, Sean and and Rob and the guys here, especially in Pennsylvania, they set them up to to make it even worse than you might encounter somewhere else. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tough, but uh, but that's total archery challenge. You know, it's 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 not your average 3D course, and that's not not what it's intended to be. It's it's to get you to push the limits and and uh, yeah, you know, get ready for your hunt. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it was uh, it was great getting to hang out with you here, and we no, got to absolutely. know each other a lot better. This whole group of people here that we've hung out with has been it's been an awesome four days. I'll yeah, tell you that this, this, it's been great, and and every one of the, every one of these events are just like that. It's yeah. it's it's great. So, you know, if you want to if you want to meet with like like minded people, you know, these are great places to to, to do it. Yeah, so. yeah, I I could not agree more. I'd, I'd just one last example I wanted to give. A guy came up to the booth yesterday, and he goes. He came here by himself, ran into three people on the lift going up, and they're all from different states, shot together, became friends, already planned on doing hunts and stuff together. That's the kind of people you meet at these places. Absolutely. And, and it's, you know, there's been lots of times whenever I've met people like that and actually taken them on a hunt after meeting them at an event like this where they it's just one of those guys that you click with, yeah. you know, and the, they, they want to do it. So you want to help them out. And there's lots of, lots of things like lots of opportunities. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, where can we find some more information on Jack gear and Absolutely. everything else? You, you can visit our website um, at jackedgear.com. That's J A K T G E A R.com. And there's a couple of videos on there. I'm, I'm actually on the, on some of the videos that, kind of gives you a walkthrough demonstration of how the product works and so you can see the magnet system and some of the benefits and features of the product um, but um, 
so you can check there or you can go to your local archery shop you know and, and talk to your local archery deal and tell him you know that you heard this on the podcast and and uh, want to know more about the product there's a chance they may already carry the product but if they don't you know they can get the product in for you you know but you know again support those local pro shops because uh you know that they're going to, you know, you're going to need them at some point. You're going to get in that situation where you're in a bind. And if they've gone the way of the big box store and there's not a good bow technician there, you know, and you can't do it yourself, you're just out of luck. Yep. Yeah. So you couldn't have said it any better. And what about any other social media platforms they can find Abs- it on? Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook, jack.gear on Instagram. Okay. You know, if you follow us on Instagram, you know, we, we do all these events and, you know, so we, we, we love. We have a photo contest all the time, and lots of lots of neat things, so that uh, we can engage with our audience and, and uh, share information back and forth. So, yeah, you know, follow us on Facebook, you know, Instagram, Jacked Gear. Yeah, I'll put uh, I'll put links in the bottom of the show notes to all these places, and that's uh, awesome. Sounds good. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on, man. We got we got some more work to do here. Sell some stuff. And- uh, absolutely, we'll keep keep up the good work with with, with your your podcasts and and everything that you're doing to educate people because uh you know it's it's great you know giving people that experience is is it's what it's all about it's passing on our heritage hunting heritage and culture and uh you know you know it's it's not knowledge that you should keep inside share it with everybody else and help everybody else enjoy what you enjoy i agree and and thanks again jeff all right thank you take care take care Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.